position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Friends, and welcome, welcome, to another exciting episode, episode number 355 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, we recorded for you on this Friday the 13th of August, 2021 at 4.20, 4 p.m., 6.24, uh, left coast, coast of the most, fucking A, Pacific, time, bitches, welcome to another Friday the 13th episode. Of the best game of podcast, uh, Greg Engineer. Oh, that would work in for our school friends. Uh, 2021, 08, 13, 16, 15. Uh, Greg Engineer, I will be over there in the booth. What? Ow! Holding up the whiskey sign. And if you have friends, let me tell you what I mean. You got one, two, three, four, five, six. Pox and table. Pox is one of the difference between a gentleman and a bum. With a capital B, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Now I know you all are the right kind of parents. I'm gonna be perfectly. Alright. Whiskey sign. I bore that is a good idea. It's been a long time since we've got another Friday the 13th, isn't it? You're fired! Lack of institutional memory, that's what's going on. Discharge. Mark. 
for a long time, uh, in the middle of, like, so far, thus far, our, our show's run, eight years now, in the middle, there were, like, three years where we had a normal amount Fucking Friday the 13th and happening. Solid. But anyway, it's a good show to this week. It's a good show. It's our first Friday the 13th show in a while. At least, like, once, maybe. So, I right, cut the fucking music. Yeah. Tip, 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 tip. Drink, bitches. I forgot. Hang on. No, we're not drunk yet. Oh, man. There we go. We got some whiskey. I we are fired! Where's my whiskey? I just made the fucking bell ring. Mm, cheers. Let's get straight to our top stories. First of all, friends and neighbors, before we... I mean, it's Friday the 13th all over again. One news story that should be mentioned up front uh, is Ivor Wiseness in the rundown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, all right. Ivor, for that, you're not fired. I was going to report what is not yet been substantiated as time of press, and therefore we will not even mention it. It was an interesting feature about the Steam Deck. But what we... Anyway... Our feature this week is uh, our review of The Ascent and we also have an essay that I'm I'm going to deliver to you mere moments but uh, one thing before we get too far ahead of ourselves I want to make a correction to last week's uh, episode the, the other skate game that was not in our list was Skater XL which is now fucking $32 at 22% off. That's so expensive. Through August 19th, that's $32. 20% off. It's So it's significantly more. But they just last month launched a multiplayer in that game. And it's really matured. I booted it up again. I, 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 I mentioned a different skate game than Skater XL. I think I mentioned Session. And they're both very similar. They're both incredibly difficult, fucking intense, twin-stick skater games. Um, But Skater XL is like the OG one. Anyway, it's too expensive. It, it was too expensive to add to the list and, and I, I I also get them all confused because Session and Skater XL, I mean, you know, Jesus. But I, I did want to point that out because Skater XL is phenomenal. I mean, once you get the hang of controlling each foot independently with the sticks a little bit, you can do some cool stuff. I booted it up a couple nights ago. It doesn't seem like there's a scoring system yet, which, I'm sorry, for me, is essential. I need a scoring system. Because, like, you know, the aesthetics and the difficulty are great only if I land massive points. I need a reward not just prestige or, you know, uh, magnificent 
radical fly video for the live stream or whatever, you know, provided that I could even fucking land it. I remember it took me fucking three days to learn how to land into a manual in that game. Um, but for some reason, I think because now that it's out of beta, it like it's wiped. Since I've only played 97 minutes, I've played a lot more than 97 minutes in Skater XL. Like, I mean, a lot more. But uh, they, they've really tweaked out the controls now to, like, where they're, they're very incredibly responsive. And uh, it's, I mean, if you have the time, let's see if there are any after... Good job, Ivor, you failed. Steam Keys Skater XL. Because this game... came out only like last yeah okay you can get uh okay oh no no yeah it looks like you're gonna be stuck at like 32 bucks ish I mean there's some fucking dodgy sites that are offering prices that are ridiculous but yeah so it looks like you're gonna be stuck at 32 bucks ish but I think that the fucking game multiplayer free skate hang on and available for all. We are very happy to announce that Skater XL multiplayer free skate mode is out of beta. All players on all platforms with this update, friends from all corners of the world can link up online and share a skate session together. Um, which I have not tried. Uh, I thought this was... Wait, hang on. Anyway, th there's compelling video of it, but I haven't, I haven't tried it. It doesn't matter. Alright. So now, for... Before we get to our new and noteworthy, because all three of our games, including The Ascent, kind of fall into this broader category of things that I love to see in a video game. And one of the things that I love to see in a video game is where something that is so simple becomes so complex. And not the complexity itself is like a virtue, but it's what we used to it's what we call in pinball a deep rule book meaning that instead of just like hitting you know any arbitrary target on the play field in, in a pinball machine if you hit them in certain orders in certain sequences in within certain time limits you can open up opportunities to score further from certain other targets later on down the line. It's called a deep rule book. Great uh, machines that had like the deepest rule book for me and my favorite, deepest and simplest and most favorite rule book for me, two of them are Medieval Madness and uh, actually the uh, Star Trek machine. Uh, but that's beside the point. Something very simple can become so complex and one of the things that like kind of ties in all of the games that we're about to talk about in this episode we're talking about Carrier Command 2 which I am not a fan of and I think is like the negative aspect of this scale Death Trash which I think is fucking awesome and is on the positive end of this scale it's positive in the freedom dimension um, and the ascent, which I think is like the, it's like if death trash 
and it's it's like death trash but cross with diablo and etc cuz this is our we're we're going to do our full review of the ascent this week that's that's this episode but anyway all through all, all of those games and you know fu- don't even include carrier command in there that's just cuz it's on the sh- I will you fired it's on the rundown cuz that's in our new and noteworthy which is coming up next um and that's where we'll talk about death trash but I love it when something that is so simple can become so complex and in there's only two fucking places that I know of where this is as immediate and as true and uh, instantly accessible to everyone as it is in video games and that would be like uh, you know music you know just listening to music where a simple idea I'm not just talking about like 20th 21st century minimalism here either I'm talking about like fucking rap I mean you know like music is based off of tiny ideas motive phrases even you know um, repetition endless repetition especially these days endless repetition but not to the point of boredom to the point of fascination to the point of near hypnotism and out of that even when you're not as high as I normally am um, you know, there evolves a structure sometimes that you can see with your ears, even if you have no background in music theory or counterpoint or fucking. I heard this guy on fucking Fresh Air. I'm sorry, I, I just a brief digression here. Uh, last week, he was talking about how he edits his movies, and he's like, "Yeah, I took counterpoint." And then everything he said after that was absolutely proof that this guy was talking straight out of his ass and had never understood counterpoint at all but anyway that's a different story the thing is and we'll come back to this with Death Trash but like Death Trash is a game it's like pixel trash it's pixel trash it's a a near perfect blend I played 5 hours of goddamn Death Trash and it came out last Friday and I've been keeping up with my golf and everything. So, it's like a big fucking deal. I played five hours. I played fucking four hours in one... Or three and a half hours last night in one sitting. Could not turn off the game. The same thing is true of The Ascent. But in Death Trash, the two games are almost identical. It's crazy, because they're both three-quarter, demi-isometric, um, top-down, multiplayer single player, local co-op, online co-op, Steam Remote, Let's Play Together, capable games. But Death Trash uses an entirely different non-photorealistic aesthetic that is totally pixel trash. And yet, it is the deeper game. So I love it when simple things like and this is the story of the evolution of video games. You know, we went from Pong where we can move up and down and hit a ball between us you know, to the era of Galaga, to the era of eventually Don Bluth and Dragon's Lair, then Street Fighter and then the modern arcade machine and Sinistar where all of a sudden not only can you move up and down, you can move left and right, you can 
fucking beware I live, beware I hunger. And the enemies aren't just coming at you from one direction straight down from the top of the screen. They're coming at you from all directions. In fact, nowhere is safe now. And that's like the evolution of video games. But what's really cool, what's really devilish is when you pull off this trick of having something that's so simple and this is like the first rule of video game design. It has to be so simple that you can pick it up and play it and want to keep playing it. You want to keep moving around the character. The controls are good. The graphics are good. The character is compelling without even a story. It is just fun to control the character. Sonic the Hedgehog, case in point. Mario, less so, but Mario is older. So that's that's cool. Galaga, less so, but Galaga is older. Galaga, what what made that game compelling? Well, first owning it, like destroying it, annihilating it. I won't talk about my Galaga stories, but I have witnesses, including fucking credentialed fucking top flight journalists in the video game industry. I have many witnesses. I am the world's greatest Galaga player who's ever walked the earth. No bullshit. But anyway, moving on. Fundamentally fun to play. Fundamentally fun to move around as. Then, even in this pixel trash game, you can press a button that takes you to your inventory and you have to manage, do some light inventory management. But then, if you want to like level up, every single thing you do is humongously profound. And it Debt Trash keeps all this stuff in the background while you, you know, I, this is not a review of Death Trash. In fact, you know, I will base him with a new and noteworthy because we'll continue this essay throughout the rest of this episode and we'll be out of here in like 30 minutes. Awesome. Do it, Ivor. Engage. I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So, in our new and noteworthy, we have two games. We have Death Trash, which we've been talking about uh, quite a bit already. But we also have Carrier Command 2. And Carrier Command 2 is one of the games that has been published by by the rebirthed Microprose. Uh, It came out um, August 17th, it's 20% off, or no, it came out, um, no, it didn't come out August 17th, it came out, uh, fuck. God damn it, Ivor, you're fired. It came out August 10th, so it came out, like, three days ago, and I was really pumped for this game, because I thought it was an aircraft carrier command. No, it's like this futuristic drone craft carrier command with low-poly stuff and a bunch of screens and it just it's it's arcadey and exciting and a little bit complex but it is not what I had hoped it was going to be and I didn't like it that much if you get it now by the way it's uh, $40 at 20% off through August 17th so if you want to talk about a naked cash grab then bam I mean fuck, it's normally 50 bucks, I would not pay, I wouldn't pay $40 for this ever again, and that's 20% off. 
But it is. But I haven't gotten that balls deep into it yet. I mean, I've only played it for like, what the fuck? Played for a half an hour. But that's because like it was so counterintuitive a lot of the stuff that I just did not like this game and it was not at all what I expected or what I had been sold it to be it is pretty cool it has a lot of polish for what it is but $40 at 20% off no thanks I would avoid Carrier Command 2 as interesting as it's you know multi it breaks down like running a drone based futuristic aircraft carrier into a series of screens and sub-panels and stuff as if you're the only person on the entire fucking carrier which you basically are which is stupid like you don't even have robot drones to man some of the other screens no one is there, there's no sense of interactivity no sense of uh, blah so this is one example where simplicity because it's basically broken up into all these different screens that you have to like navigate to. If you get if you get it at thirty two bu- at thirty bucks at twenty percent off, uh, it does include the virtual reality version of it, which I imagine is the same fucking game as the non virtual reality version of it. Only I imagine the virtual reality version of it being much more frustrating. I do not see that being a fun fucking time. The game is, I mean, the controls are okay. It's its easy enough to navigate between stations and stuff. But they are, like, when it fall, when it, when it breaks, it breaks hard. So here we have an example of, like, simplicity where we've broken down all these gameplay aspects, like, okay, spot the targets, send out the drones, navigate to here, navigate to there. There's no real ocean currents or anything. It's just like fucking going to waypoint to waypoint. It's very, very boring and it takes a long time and there's no way to collapse time that I saw. So we have simplicity nearing complexity, but the complexity becomes way too obvious and too vulgar. Becomes a vulgar form of complexity. Not just complexity for complexity's own sake, but complexity that actually hinders you from doing what the game is supposed to be. The best games are where the simple idea is allowed to evolve along a continuous line and become as complex as it can be before the end of the game. Um, and so that's where we, we'll, we'll talk about Death Trash. Death Trash is like, the it's a fucking crazy game. Like I said, it's demi uh, two-thirds isometric perspective, top-down real-time combat version of Fallout crossed with King's Quest. The world has ended, you have no idea why, and there's meat that grows out of the earth. And some of this meat you can talk to, and some of this meat you can eat. Some of this meat you can kill, and some of this meat will kill you. There is a huge RPG element to this game. Like, I'm talking about, like, straight-up RPG, like, pen and paper. In that, like, you don't have to kill anybody. There's actually a pacifist mode. Um, But you can also kill anybody. Like, you can kill anybody. Anybody at all. Anyone you want. If you can kill them, you can kill them. 
you, my biggest problem with the game, and this is the only spoiler alert I'm going to say, there's a spoiler alert, and this is right at the very beginning of the game. I think it's obvious that it's trying to tell you that it, that the game itself is in a uh, don't kill your grandfather uh, time paradox loop. Because the game begins with you being cast out of the robot civilization habitats. And what the same way that like uh, Days Gone was so bewitching in that it showed you and didn't tell you necessarily everything that happened, this game does it with text, with the depth of text. And it's very tight, very punchy, very funny, often surprising, always worth reading text. That's the King's Quest aspect of the game. For those of you who don't remember, King's Quest was a click and typer. Meaning you could click on items and then uh, you could type to interact with them. Like take, book, blah. And you would also uh, either use the mouse or the keyboard for navigation. King's Quest, where you can die by falling off a cliff's edge a hundred times before you can ever escape the second disc, which is the third screen of the game. But anyway, this game is like that, but with like a super awesome save system and unbelievable combat because everything that you do in terms of just like pure RPG stats and damage and equipment wise and tactics informs your tactics in a way that, you know, there's no one there to help you. So you get to make it up as you go along. Do you want to cloak and like come in behind these guys or what? And there's guys who are trying to kill you and it's this ruined apocalyptic wasteland that just opens like a flower in front of you punctuated at times with unbelievable combat also punctuated at times with unbelievable resource management the crafting and the skills tree and everything in this game is phenomenal look for a review of it in the near future but this game is a pixel trash game, we're talking about a game that can be played with a controller talk about simplicity that yields complexity once it's allowed to reach its full premise. The game doesn't seem to give a shit what you do. The game is also story-driven, so it reminds me a lot of, like, King's Quest crossed with Flashback, or uh, Fate to Black, or, um... What was the third game? Fate to Black was the one with... uh, Fate to Black on the PC was the one that had the actual uh, first 3D combat sequences against uh, cell-shaded polygonal robots. And then what was the one? What was the one on the Genesis? Was that? That was Flashback. That was Flashback. The sequel, which was a two, two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer. Anyway, this game is neither of those games but it reminds me so much of like the combat system and design and inventory and looting and RPG elements of Fallout 2, but without the turn-based. And so you have to be really good at actual combat. Ammo is scarce. It's the apocalypse, baby. But meat grows on the ground. 
So, that'll take us to... I have more based him with the review for this week. Oh, and by the way, uh, uh, Death Trash is 10% off now through August 16th at $17.99. It has Steam Remote Let's Play Together capability. It also has local couch co-op capability. We tried to get the online capability to work, um, but we failed, but we weren't trying that hard. That was last night. Um, the game is awesome. It's mesmerizing. It will melt three hours from your life, like ten minutes in a shot. Speaking of which, cheers, Ivor. Now do it! Engage. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. So, we've seen how simplicity in the form of Death Trash is simple premise, like, uh, I'm cast out from the robot society into the post-apocalyptic wasteland. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Once allowed to fully breathe and experience this full breath of capability as allowed by the developers in the design of the video game, we've seen how that can create amazing complexity. Even in a pixel trash fucking environment. Although the environments look okay, they're good, they're alright, some of them are amazing. But they're all pixel trash. Like when you see giant towers of flesh and blood and and you just try to talk to people because you're like, what the fuck is going on here? That's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is to shock and awe and overwhelm with absolute fucking photorealistic visual complexity some of the most amazing environments ever rendered in a video game. And to have basically the same two two and a third fucking demi-isometric top-down perspective with real-time combat and, you know, profound RPG elements in terms of you know, like, uh, your character's attributes and capabilities, but, and also having the same fucking multiplayer capabilities, although I don't know if, uh, The Ascent has Steam Let's Remote play together, uh, I think everyone needs to have a license for it, but me and fucking Splinter have beaten it twice between us, actually, um, I beat it alone, but I helped him beat his, uh, that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Heterosexual male here. Um, but anyway, yeah. You know, so after I was done beating off a splinter in the ascent, you know, we we scorgasm together. <laughs> okay, so we've seen how complexity with a story that is like text-based, overt, and pixel trash works. What if we cut out like the quest giving and the the um, talking to people so much, but then folded in a really good story that you can completely ignore if you wish, but it's a really good story. 
and then made the game photorealistic with a amazing cyberpunk, far-flung, futuristic environment on the arcology of Velus. With the same fucking perspective, the skill tree here is changed. It's simplified. So here is The Ascent, one of the best games that I've played this year. And I have some problems with The Ascent to the extent that I cannot say that it gets Best Links Games podcast best endorsement possible, but it comes very close. I can't say that it's worth... Ah, you know what? It's 27 bucks. If you want to see one of the most amazing environments that you've ever blown the fuck out of, The Ascent is worth it. It's a cross between Smash TV and Fallout 2. With RPG elements and a good story. Not that Smash TV did not have a good story. So The Ascent, I won't bore you with the actual elements of the story because it's more fun to experience them. Just know that it's a good story. It's a far-flung, futuristic science fiction dystopia uh corporate indentured servitude class warfare corporate warfare and individual sentient warfare mercenary story uh, where you get by virtue of not being able to have any speaking lines yourself your character does not get to talk but is responded to by other people you know what I'm saying like oh yeah what's that you say where is it I don't know if I knew why the fuck would I ask you to go get it you know shit like that with good voice acting um so if you know that that story is good and I'm telling you that it's good it's a good story it has lots of really good memorable characters and by disallowing you the ability to talk or have to do you know, real dialogue trees, although you can do dialogue trees with some characters, like if you want to pry for information. It gives the rest of the game a sounding board for all of these other fucked up characters that expose aspects of what life on the arcology is like, all the way from deep stink to the pinnacle, from the bowels to the brain, baby, from fucking literally male bulge filled with ferals an industrialized fucking data node fucking neural network AGI fucking mega machine server that is like imprinted and all it all the way from there and the ferals and the turrets and the automated security all the way up to like the medium levels like the high street where you have fucking samurai ninja warriors who cloak and come after you up close and personal with swords slashing at you and you can't notice them because you're fucking too busy fighting off the other 30 assholes who are shooting at you while you're ducked, crushed in cover, and you're high shooting, and oh my god, I'm losing it, and then you see him, he's right on you, and you're like, fuck you, motherfucker, and you switch to your fucking sidearm, and you blow a fucking five laser bolts right through him, and he vaporizes and explodes in a meat spray. 
That's kind of what the whole fucking game is like. And it's a rinse and wash repeat game, but the environments make it sing. Uh, also, the structure, the way the game is designed, is it is like, oh man, it's like Gauntlet in that you have the, but it's not procedurally generated. It's the static environments that are unbelievable and huge. There's lots of walking and there's lots of killing. There's lots of constant random encounters that involve killing. When you're in like a merchant district, you put your gun away. You can't kill anybody. No one's going to try to kill you. Anytime you pull out your gun, well, it's open season and there's civilians everywhere. Trying to kill them. There is no punishment for killing them, but try not to kill them. I feel bad every time I kill a civilian. I've killed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of civilians in my 50 hours in The Ascent. I'm I'm halfway through beating it twice uh, in single player. I played 51 hours. That's double the amount of time. I And I've beaten the game alone and with other people. So I know of that which I speak. The cool thing about The Ascent is that it's incredibly poppy like everything is a fetch quest just like you would expect it's like Baldur's Gate with guns or Diablo 3 with guns you have two different ways to upgrade your abilities but you have lots of different abilities okay so for instance to upgrade your weapon's damage you actually have to upgrade that weapon but that upgrade becomes permanent even if you sell that weapon. So like, let's say you have a pistol. You upgrade pistol to pistol mark 2 at a weapon upgrader. Then you sell that pistol and you have no pistol. But then you kill someone with another gun and you get that, that same make and model of pistol again. It will be level 2. It will always be level 2 or whatever the last level you upgrade it to is. Upgrading weapons only increases the damage. That's the only thing it does. Same thing with armor, but you can't upgrade armor. You actually have to replace armor. And armor, every individual piece of armor is cosmetic. You have head, chest, and feet. The reason for this is that those are the main areas that you can attack other people and other people can attack you. Why? Because you can crouch. And if you crouch, you don't even have to be crouched behind cover. 50% of everything that anyone who is not crouched will not hit you. Same thing for you to them. If you're standing and they're crouched, even if there's no cover, you're not going to hit them. You're going to hit them like maybe one. It depends on the gun. Lots of guns, by the way. So then the other thing is that you can aim high, which is like if you're crouched, you don't have to be behind cover. You can just be crouched in like a middle of a flat, empty place, like a duck. But if you aim high, you will shoot over any obstacles that are between you and the enemy. That's the first thing. The second thing is it will stagger as a a chance to stagger per round that hits, which slows down the enemy assault. And in a game where you're facing down at certain points, enormous hordes of enemies, but then other times you're facing down just small squads of really powerful enemies who are using tactics. Using This use of cover is very interesting. The other way you can evade damage is by evading, dive rolling. Then you have your tools, you, then you have your augments. You have one augment, which is attack, I, I, 
forgive me if I fuck up the uh, terminology, but one augment which goes with your loadout is your tactical augment. This relies on energy, kinetic energy that's built up and harvested by nanites from the damage that you inflict on enemies on a natural basis. If you die, you start over with this empty. So you have to do a certain amount of damage. So augments that you can, these are deployables from like a stasis grenade that like will move. It's like a robotic grenade that has an area of effect field that puts someone just in between um, being teleported somewhere so it freezes them then you inflict damage on them and that damage accrues until the effect wears off and if you've given them enough damage they explode hurting everybody and damaging everybody enough so that the grenade can then just continue to move in one lifetime to a next target and a next target and a next target so you can daisy chain them together there's that on the low end and then there's um, instant mech on the high end and turrets on the high end like uh where okay fine i've i've damaged enough of you guys i can now instantly deploy using all of my energy for my tactical a mech suit that i can get into with a giant gatling gun it gives me a separate fucking field of health etc other um good ones are like health steel like everyone in a certain radius after you activate it, will be marked and all damage to those marked individuals until they die goes back to who, what you or whatever ally damages them in the form of health. So it's like lifesteal. It, that's really useful. Um, blah. The, the, those are some of your tacticals. And then you have frag grenades and all that other stuff. But then there are also two slots for abilities. And these range from like the ability to do a uh, uh, pneumatic, hyperactive uh, uh, thunder punch that will punch through shields and multiple people and kill them all instantly. And these recharge faster, but these require actual energy capsules that you get from the dead and from vending machines and stuff like that. And you have two of the you can have two of those equipped. And then there are two passive abilities that boost your stats. And these two passive abilities can range from uh faster tactical recharge time. So it like energy optimizes. So instead of like one point for every you know point of damage you give to the enemy, you get five points back, so it's five times faster to refill your tactical. If you want to rely on deploying numerous turrets and shit um, quickly in a overwhelmed swarm, that's great. If you want to run a tank, that's great. You can fucking, you know, do the instant mech thing or deploy um, robotic allies that fight alongside you. Etc, etc, etc. Faster with that passive buff. The other other ones that are notable are like, you know, uh, more health, faster faster and quicker and much stronger health benefits from health pickups. Both of those are independent. Um, and there's lots of other ones. I get, And back to the tacticals, like there's tacticals where you can deploy spider drones that like, you know, just seek out. These are like 
Labrador retriever sized little spider, metallic spider robots that will hunt and seek in swarms your enemies and then leap at them and explode, dealing high explosive and EMP damage. So back to the guns. So that's all complicated out of this sheer essence of simplicity. My favorite thing about the Ascent is that when you die, whether you're playing with someone else or alone, when you're playing with someone else, they can revive you if they get there in time, but in general, it just depends. It depends on the situation. My, My favorite thing about the Ascent is that when you die, you keep everything that you picked up and every experience point that you earned. So you earn experience points from kills. You kill a lot of people in this game. It is an incredibly violent game. Like, a lot of people. Like, thousands of people. Reminds me very much of Grand Theft Auto uh, San Andreas. Mm. In this far-flung cyberpunk Blade Runner-esque, I mean, and it's gorgeous. The environments just sing. And the enemies are plentiful and numerous, and the action just never stops. My favorite thing is that when you die you start pretty much pretty near to where you died. Everyone else respawns and you have to kill them again and you have to kill them better. And so what this means is, and there's an autosave, the game just autosaves constantly. So what this means is that the worst choke points in the game, like the biggest fear of anyone who plays a game like this is that you'll end up like in Days Gone, trapped someplace with a dead-end save that you can't recover from because there, there was you saved and then there was an enemy around the corner who's about to eat you or whatever. There's nothing like that in this game, but even better than that, you get to keep the experience points. So even if the... So, like, this makes it really fun to jump into other people's games. That's the one thing. Kind of. Because one of the problems with the game is that jumping into other people's games, unless you're at basically the same level, you can be so devastatingly powerful that you actually deprive the other player from the experience points that they want. And this is a common fucking simple idea yields complexity problem that we've been dealing with ever since Borderlands. It's not entirely solved in the Ascent, but it's pretty close to solved because what it does is there is no fucking difficulty level to the game the game self adjusts and it weights it based on number of people in your party who are actively playing at that moment and it makes it sort of like it'll you know instead of one one times the amount of enemies that are supposed to be in an area or that might spawn in an area it's two and a half times if there's two people and those enemies can take one and a half times as much damage as they normally would and they are 1.25% deadlier than they normally are. And there's another wave of them. And you know, all of which to compensate for the ability to like actually revive other players. So what this means is the game lets you hurl yourself against really severe opposition alone or with friends. I prefer alone. Um... And even if you die, if you kill one of them, 
you get a fuck ton of you, generally speaking you'll get you'll be remunerated with a fuck ton of experience points or like they drop items and stuff and if you pick them up you manage to pick them up before you die that stuff is very valuable because there's also um, the weapons weapons are awesome there are flamethrowers there is a well there's a gun that I won't tell you about that's the end of after the end of the game stuff um, there are energy guns all guns deal one to multiple different types of damage explosive damage, there's RPGs uh, fire damage, heat damage the flamethrower um, there's energy damage uh, laser pistols and laser rifles and sniper rifles there's ballistic damage and there's all sorts of other yeah, those are the four types of damage, but like upgrading all these weapons, like everything from like a minigun to an assault rifle to a futuristic assault rifle that's as big as what we would consider to be a minigun these days, to like full fucking miniguns, to um, blazingly fast pistols, both ballistic and energy wise, uh, to um, 100 rounds in the clip, uh, submachine guns, to heavy machine guns, light machine guns, Submachine guns, um, magnum pistols, pistols that are like automatic tactical pistols, like with like fucking twelve rounds in the in the clip. They and they can fire that fast. They can fire as fast as you pull the trigger. Um, all with damage per second stuff. All useful in various different circumstances. Shotguns, shotguns that have unbelievable damage at close range and fucking. Tw- 15 in the, or 12 in the clip 12 in the clip and it can be reloaded independently shell by shell um, but are useless at any sort of range uh, all the way up to digital shotguns oh that's the other type of damage, digital where it fries the other person's wetware, the enemy's wetware in their head, their augments their cyber attacks and meanwhile you're pulling off all this shit and you're ducking behind cover and you're out of cover and you're crab crawling and your mini gun is spinning out the shells and the bodies are piling up and oh my god that's the ascent it's really good in fact my biggest problem with the ascent is that it's too short and it doesn't have a new game plus but I'm already on my second character and nursing him through everything the other thing that's kind of cool about the Ascent is it has this cyber deck that lets you interact with certain things so instead of having to pay for health upgrades from vending machines, you can just hack it you can also hack turrets like I summon turrets like if there are turrets there in the ground that haven't been deployed by the security forces you can summon them and they will do your bidding, they will attack your enemies also uh, notable for the great voice acting, excellent story. It's short though; it's about a twenty-hour game. Took me f- better part of uh, thirty-five hours to beat it alone. But uh, it's fun to jump in to anyone else's game because you get to keep your character, and your character gets to keep their stuff. As you know, it's so common for so many other games. If you're looking for a real blast 'em up fucking carnage festival. In a far-flung blade, he said, "You Blade Runner, futuristic, arcology society that has deep lore, but doesn't ever really give a fuck if you understand any of it. Great, memorable characters, 
and a uh, really fun main campaign and some very interesting uh, side campaigns that give lots of experience and nuance and laughs. Very, you know, interesting. With a fast transit system, go anywhere, do whatever the fuck you want in whatever order you want. Wander around as far as you can. Kill as many fucking people as you can who are trying to kill you. RPG, multiplayer, solo. Unbelievable graphics. Unbelievable environments. Literally, it's like one of the most impressively detailed environments I've ever seen in a video game. For reals. Because, like, there's like... and this, These guys were all veteran shooter developers, I guess, but this is their first game together. Mm. Yeah, he came close to hitting it out of the park. And $27 for this kind of absolutely mindless pickup. And I mean, it's mindless, but like, it's not going to make you cry. The story is good. It keeps you very much involved. But it's really the tweaking out of your loadout and upgrading your weapons and fixing your armor. And then Diablo style, just fucking laying waste to motherfuckers. It's really good. If you like shooters and you like bipedal shooters, if you like Smash TV, The Ascent is for you. And that'll do us for this week. I will catch you next week. Uh, that's our Friday the 13th. Um, yeah, so. Does it actually get... It's too short. I can't give it for 27 bucks at 30 hours. I mean, fucking... Splinter beat it in under 25. That's still a long fucking time. But this game, it leaves you wanting so much more because it's so huge. I mean, and it's enormous. It's You will not go away feeling cheated. So yes, it is worth full price, all price, every price from $27 to whatever. I would wait for it on sale though. So it does win our highest award. That's it. That's my final call. Ivor, take us out. Fired, motherfucker! Rain that face! A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damien. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. 
the best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.